What's up, guys? This is Bradley. I wanted to tell you about a company that I really, really like, ePay Policy. They completely saved my tail on a case last week. As many of you know, I started my independent insurance agency with a lot of questions, concerns. I didn't know what I didn't know, and that proved true when I wrote my first agency build homeowner's policy. I write this policy, and the client tells me, all right, let me pay you with a credit card. I'm like, uh... How do I take a credit card payment? And guess what, guys? Square and PayPal, it's against their terms of service for you to use it for an insurance premium. God forbid somebody pay you and then you end up not getting that payment. So in came ePay policy. They completely saved the day for me, got me signed up within 24 hours. They provide the simplest solution for your agency to collect credit card and ACH payments while finally putting a stop to chasing those paper checks around. I don't want to be in the collection business. I want to be in the insurance business. With ePay policy, you pass the processing fees onto the client, keeping your bottom line intact while providing an added convenience to your clients of accepting digital payments. The page that you send the client for them to make the payment is branded and tailored to your agency. Mine has my logo. And when it comes to reconcile, their accounting dashboard keeps the process clean and simple, and they integrate with all the major management systems, including mine, at no extra cost. Look, they know how busy you and your clients are. They provide the simplest solution for your agency to collect credit card and ACH payments while finally putting a stop to chasing paper checks. There's no contract, no setup fee, no hidden costs. It takes less than five minutes to sign up, and they'll have you up and collecting digital payments within 24 hours like they did for me. Give ePay Policy a call or hit them up online at epaypolicy.com and let them know that the insurance guy sent you. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys Podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Sarah Land, Alabama, parade first team All-American, rivals five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? Great, Scott. How are you today? The best I have ever been. I've got a unbelievably important guest on the show today and I get extremely excited when I know for a 100% fact that I'm about to help insurance agents from around the world. Guys, our mission on this podcast is to help you in any way we can and the guest that we have on the show today has helped me tremendously in my agency. She has literally been a very big part of what I would consider turning my agency around. I've got the best team in place I have ever had, and for about eight years of running my insurance agency, it was not always that case, and I want to go ahead and bring her on in just a second, but I want to tell you how I found her. So uh, Bradley and I had a, had a guy that, that you guys probably know and love. His name is Mike Stromso on the podcast. And through that, I went out to San Diego to the UPP, the Unstoppable Profit Producer Boot Camp in San Diego a couple of years ago. 
and we ran into each other outside and started talking to one another. I didn't even sit through her her message that she gave. Mm-hmm. She, I think you were the last speaker on the uh, uh, that came in that that weekend. And uh, I had decided to go to a veteran. The, the San Diego's got one of the biggest Veterans Day parades in the country, and it happened to be that day. But we uh, we kind of reconnected through my friend Bill Butler, and I was in the process of hiring somebody. And when I started using her to help me in that process, and we're going to go through that today, it literally changed the trajectory of my agency. We do not make bad hires anymore. We only hire A-plus people, and we're going to kind of go through all that today. So without further ado, she is originally from Los Angeles, California. She -hmm. currently lives in Canyon Lake, California. She is the owner at SBL Consulting, where she is a certified behavioral analyst. Her specialty is helping insurance agents build the right relationships in the right way so that they can maximize revenue. My God, is there anything more important than that? Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to bring on the Insurance Guys podcast, my friend, Miss Laura Bruno. How are you, Laura? Hi, God, I am well, thank you. Thank you for a wonderful introduction. I cannot overstate how excited I am to have you on the show simply because of how much you've helped me. It's strange that, you know, when I started working with you through these behavioral tests and the sales IQ and the other things through our time together when we would get together after the fact and and do a little bit of a consultation you and I of course you and I've always kind of had a little bit of a special relationship but I don't know I just uh, consider you a good friend now you are as important to me in terms of my agency and what we do in hiring people as anything else we do because as I've always said This whole thing starts with hiring great people. So what I'd like for you to do now, I usually tell people to just kind of talk briefly about how you got in the industry. I'm not going to do that today because we've got so much ground to cover. I want you to just go ahead and lay it out there for agents and talk to them about what services you provide relative to they found somebody they think they want to hire. And now the next step in the process is, is, for me anyway, is to bring Laura in and make sure that they're going to fit our culture, that they're going to fit with Scott and his behavioral style. And then, you know, obviously, can they sell or or they're going to have problems there. So just talk to us a little bit about how you go about that and what you do. Okay. That's a lot. It is. So I currently, and uh, for the last almost 10 years now, work with over 70, somewhere between 70 and 80 um, insurance companies. So first off, I've actually learned a lot from all of you over what works and what doesn't work. Um, I didn't go after working with the insurance industry. The insurance industry kind of found me. And then in turn, what I have found is that I love working with the insurance industry because I get to work with really smart entrepreneurs that want a healthy team and want to grow their business in the same way, very healthy and ethical and honest. And so back in the beginning, when people are, um, have come to me and said, hey, Laura, I want to bring someone in. I have you know, currently eight people or four people on my team. I want to bring someone in. I want to make sure they're a good fit. How do I do that? And the answer is by running assessments. And those are the assessments that I run in three different areas. Behavior, which is DISC, how we show up. Motivators, which are our core values. It's what's in our heart. It's why we do what we do and critical thinking that has to do with our decision-making and problem-solving skills. 
and we take a look at all three of those. And then what's really important is to look at the candidate, their resume, are they licensed or not? What job do you want them to do? Is it a sales position or is it a CSR? Or is it the director of welcome, as Mike Strum so, so warmly says? So we take a look at those things. And then the second thing that's most important as what you and I have discovered over time, Scott, is that will they get along with the rest of the team? And that's not necessarily an easy thing. Sometimes people come to me and say, hey, is this person a good fit? And I have to say, I don't know, because you haven't taken the assessment. Right. <laughs> so will they work for you or not is, is a question um, that can only be answered by the owner. And that's how I usually start with people is I work with the owner and share with the owner what we have discovered in the behavioral testing of someone is, um, now I don't know how deep you want me to go with the D, I, S, and C, whether results no, are oriented. Deep, go deep. I think it's important for these agents to hear this as well. So, so before you do that though, what, Laura, I, I just want to give all these agents listening kind of a snapshot of what we did. Before we did anything, okay, before we did anything else, what we did is Laura had me take the testing. I took the testing, both the disc profile, the motivators, and, and the sales IQ. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and from that, then we started kind of spider webbing out and giving the test to all of my current employees to see kind of where, you know, did I have the right people on the bus? Uh, love, 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 love to see Scott's test. <laughs> um, I've already pulled it up. <laughs> yeah. She, I don't mind you showing it. it it's, uh, it, it's fine. I don't, I don't mind at all, but we then tested all of the team members we had to figure out, you know, are they in the right spot on the bus? And then from there, we we basically started in on testing new employees to make sure they were going to be a good fit for our agency. And were they capable from a critical thinking skills, sales IQ, those kinds of things to do the job I needed them to do? So thank you for mentioning that, Scott, because it is very, very important for the owner of the agency themselves to actually take the assessment as well to understand it. The whole thing about DISC that makes it effective are three things. Number one is understanding who we are as an individual. Number two, how to recognize other people. And then number three, how to adjust. And it's like, um, it's an education, but it's also like learning a little bit of a foreign language. So if you've ever learned a foreign language like Spanish or German or French or, you know, Japanese or Swahili, when you learn it and you use it, you remember it and it makes sense. If you don't use it, we kind of have a tendency to forget it. And you're one of those rare, wonderful human beings, Scott, that actually remember what it means and how to use it. So it's, it's always a pleasure to work with you, as well as many other agents across the United States and Canada that I work with that also use it and remember it as well. So what I want to share with, um, so Scott, for example, you said it was okay to use yours. Absolutely. Okay, so in most cases, business owners do have what we call a high D, and D is, DISC is actually an acronym, and the D stands for direct and daring, sometimes domineering. The I is for um, influence and interactive and inspiring, and the I, a lot of people can refer to as uh, Cindy Lauper's song, Girls Just Want to Have Fun. And the S in DISC is for steady, stable, and sensitive. And those are 
actually those are the people that make great CSRs because they authentically care and they, are, uh, they have a natural ability to listen and be more patient. And the C stands for cautious and conservative. And they are, are people that want to make sure things are done correctly the first time. And so over the last 10 years, thanks to Mike Stromso introducing me to the UPP boot camp and putting me on stage almost every year for the last 10 years, a lot of people in the insurance world have come and said, hey, Laura, how do I, make, how do I build a good team like you did? And how do I get along or how do I manage the team that I have? And so a lot of the owners have what we call high D's and high I's. And they're characterized by being more about the process, more about the results, and more about getting things done. I'm just giving you the 10,000 foot view. But most CSRs that are really good don't have high D's and a high I. They have the other two, which are high S's and high C's, meaning that on a scale of zero to 100, they're over 50, which means their natural tendency is to be more thoughtful, be more sensitive. And so sometimes that can cause conflict in the workplace because you've got opposites. And so that can make, uh, make it challenging. But when we understand and get some education about how to treat others the way that they wanna be treated, which some of you may remember if you've ever heard me speak before, that's the platinum rule. And most of us like to follow the golden rule. And the golden rule, of course, is to treat others the way we want to be treated. And what we want to do with our team members and the people that we work with is treat them the way they want to be treated so that they feel valued. And so what we want to do are find ways for our, most of our owners that are, again, high Ds, and most of our successful CSRs are not. They're the opposite with a high S and a high C. How do we all get along? So what else would you like me to say about that, Mr. Scott? Well, I don't, I don't think you have to. I just think that it's beyond important for each one of us as agency owners to understand not only having the self-awareness to understand who we are as a person and put that in our memory bank and keep it there so that we understand the way why we do the things we do, but then to turn around and be able to understand and effectively communicate with each one of our team members who are going to be a, a different on that scale in some degree. I just think it, it makes for a better organization and it, th it makes for hiring the types of people that fit into your culture correctly without spending 10, 15, $20,000 hiring these people, training them, getting them what, where they need to be. And then all of a sudden you start having problems and they leave, which is what was happening to me for, the better part of eight years until I started using your services. And, and to be honest with you, I still go back about once every six months and look at all my team members reports to kind of refresh my memory. on okay, how, how do I need to communicate with this person? How do I need to, to uh, reward them? You know, how do they want to be rewarded? So I just can't emphasize enough what it's done for my agency. And that's why I wanted to have you on this podcast today. If you want to throw my testing up there, Laura, and, and kind of show or go through that with Bradley, you're more than welcome to do that. Okay. Can I say something first about some of the challenges that people have when they're hiring? You say whatever you want. And I just had a conversation with someone just yesterday that they meet someone for the first time. They have their resume. They meet them. They talk to them on the phone for 15 or 20 minutes. And then, in, you know, in this time in our country, given what's going on with the self you know, quarantining and stay at home that 
people are Zooming now for an in-person interview, which I think is a great tool, by the way. Um, but when we first meet someone, it's kind of like dating. And for some of you out there, you are still dating and others have been married for years. You can go back in, in your time and remember when you were trying to put your best face forward, your best foot forward. And many of us don't always tell the truth and reveal everything on that first date. And it's the same thing that happens in the hiring process. People that want a job and given all that's out there right now, because we have so many people that are now unemployed given what's going on, that there is a lot of talent. There's a lot of talent. People are looking for work. So this is actually a great time to go out and place ads for talented individuals that are truly looking for work. And, but when you first interview them, it's really important that you want to be, you know, what I call have your radar up and your sonar down. Is this person speaking in a way that is really congruent with who I want on my team? So I want to ask the right questions, number one. And I actually have a list of questions that I've put together with both Mike Stromso and Andrea Wyatt years ago that we have rolled out to many, many agents and they are finding them extremely effective, as well as the type of ads that people are running. Are they using words? And I'm just going to say, are you all using words that are going to attract the behavior that you are seeking in either a salesperson or a CSR, not just behavioral, by the way, but also their core values. Are we wanting, we are wanting to hire people in particular that are CSRs that have what we call a high altruistic and a high regulatory. That means that they, are, they authentically care about other people and they also will follow the rules and structure and not go too crazy outside the box in um, changing the way, especially with independent insurance agencies are, you work with so many different carriers and every carrier has their unique processes. So we want to make sure that the words that we're using in the ads are the words that are going to attract those people. And I also have those words and I've been refining them over the last 10 years to make sure that people are not wasting their time when they're running the ads, then with the interviews and then with the Zoom interviews and, and then ultimately bringing them into the agency. It's really important to um, have all of those measures in place. But again, to get back to the dating thing, when we are interviewing, people are gonna try and put their best foot forward. And many times we hire based on that. And one of the things that I've also seen with the owners is that they have a tendency to hire who, people that are like them. And if you're a high D or a high I, you're gonna be naturally attracted to people like that. But that's right. not what makes a successful CSR. And many times um, they are not revealing all of their nuances and you know, things that make them unique. And they come up over time, three months, five months, seven months. The record I have for an owner keeping someone that they knew they should have let go a long time ago, and it, we can now call it returning them back to the marketplace, is 13 years. I have someone, one of my clients that is still after 13 years has that person in place working in their agency and it's draining and they go home and they're exhausted. And I'm like, please, I am not an, I'm not an employment law attorney, but please get one to help you figure out how to release them back to the market. I'll tell you one, one question I did want to go through and the adaptive style versus their natural style. We've had this discussion many times. Talk a little bit about that. Okay, we measure, and not everybody does this in DISC. I'm just one of thousands of people around the world that utilize DISC as a measurement tool. And our reports 
have, thank you for mentioning that, a natural versus adapted style. And the natural style is what we call our knee-jerk or our intuitive response. And again, what we measure are on a, is on a scale of zero to 100. And so for people that have over 50, which is the energy line of their particular behavioral style, whether it be D, I, S, or C, and most of us, by the way, have two that are over 50, uh, that is going to be how our filter on how we respond. So for example, for someone that's a high D, again, direct, daring, domineering type of behavior, their knee-jerk natural reaction to a situation may be out of anger. They'll be frustrated or annoyed, and they're going to be pissed off, so to speak, when someone um, shares a story. Now, someone that has a low D and a high S, their natural style will be, I feel so bad for your situation. That's awful. Versus a high D is going to go, really? What do you want me to do with that? Right. So, so depending on the situation, and that's one of the big differences in human behavior is, am I going to respond being annoyed or frustrated or angry, or am I going to have that first reaction? That's what makes a great CSR, by the way, is not the person that gets annoyed. It's the person that says, I'm so sorry, and displays authentic compassion and empathy. And that's who you want on your team. Right. Now, the adapted style is how we adjust. It's what we call the mask. And so many times, for example, what you do, Scott, is your natural style on your high D is a 98 and you're adapted, you bring it down to a 66. And I like to see that with owners because what you're doing is where you may be annoyed initially at something, you actually work. Your mask is to bring that down so that you are, quote unquote, biting your tongue at times so that you don't annoy and offend other people, which is a huge gift. Many times people do, um, and actually what you do, let me just stick to you for a moment, your eye, which is your friendly and spontaneous side, your natural is at a 41 and you bring it up to a 70. And so what you're doing there is you're actually going out of your way to be more friendly, to right. be more likable, to be more optimistic. And those are a few of the characteristics of the eye. So again, the natural style is who we are intuitively, the adapted is the mask that we put on in order to get things done at work. Talk a little bit about the sales IQ test. Obviously, you're, if you're an agent listening to this and you start using Laura to, to uh, help you with your hiring process, talk a little bit about you're, you're wanting to hire a jam up salesperson. You don't know whether they can sell or not. Give them a little bit of a sample of, of, of the sales IQ part of this. Okay, the sales IQ, just to give you a little bit of background, was created by three gentlemen that are very successful in their fields. The first one is Jeffrey Gittimer. Jeffrey Gittimer is the gentleman and author of not just the Little Red Book of Selling, which is the number one sales book in the world, by the way. Um, he has also written many other books and is uh, very well known around the world for uh, being a sales trainer and coach and how to sell. He, along with Jim Cathcart, who wrote um, Relationship Selling, and Dr. Tony Alessandra, who wrote The Platinum Rule, as well as many other books, the three of them got together so that and created, uh, it's, I really don't call it an assessment, it's really a test. This is, what is your level of sales acumen? Are you knowing how to prepare, how to target, how to connect, how to assess, problem solve, confirm, 
and assuring a sale and manage it. And so they've taken those eight components, they've broken them down into actually two. So for example, targeting the market and targeting um, the, the connections and taking that. And so instead of having eight measurements, we have 16 and they're definitely um, very sales oriented questions that an individual must answer and to determine how well they actually sell. So I actually have a report up right now. So I can actually tell you, we measure in four different areas, whether they're highly developed, advanced development, early development, or needs tremendous development. And it kind of goes like with the signals, like red is needs development, kind of like on a, when you stop at a signal at a, on a street corner, in the red, if you are interested in hiring someone and they tell you they can sell and they take this sales IQ and most of them are in the, in the red, like needs development or early development area, they think they can sell, but they can't. <laughs> so what we're looking for people when they take the sales assessment um, are over in the green. The cool thing about the assessment, it has hundreds of questions and they rotate the questions. So if you're taking the sales IQ test at the same time I was, your questions are going to be different so people can't cheat. Right. Which is a really cool thing. So the report itself also isn't just a, here's where they're good and here's where they're weak. It actually says, you answered this question and this, and this was the best answer. Or the report will also say, this was the second best answer or the third best answer or the fourth best answer, what the best answer was. And it actually can be used as a coaching tool as well. And that all comes from Jeffrey Gittimer and Jim Cathcart and Tony Alessandra. So it's a very useful tool. Some of my clients have their people take it every six months to see how they've improved. Right. And that's another key to that is once they take the sales IQ, regardless of where they fall on that, in that, uh, that test, I don't want to say assessment, it gives, it gives you the areas that they need to improve on. And then you can mm -hmm. go back and work with that person and say, Hey, you need help here and here. Let's get you there. So it's Correct. a great, even if you hire them, there's always going to be one or two things that they can improve on. Yes. Well said. And as far as the hundreds and thousands of, of sales IQ tests that you've ever given, who is, what agent has scored the highest of any of them on that test? Actually, Andrea Wyatt, that works with Mike Stromso, scored the highest. Ooh. She did. She I did. Thought I, I thought I was going to be. I thought I was going to be numero uno on that. Well, all right, you're number two. Number two. Number um, two. So let's talk a little bit about the consultation. This is the. This is my favorite part of this, by the way. Yeah. So we get new new hires to before I before I make them an offer. Obviously, they take all this testing for you and I. And then you and I get on about a 45 minute to an hour call mm -hmm. and kind of go through that in kind of a consultative mode of here, here's what I like. Here's where I have concerns. Are you going to be okay with this, Scott? You know, here's how you're going to have to reward them. Here's how they're going to interact with people. Talk a little bit about the consultation after the fact. Oh, wow. Great question. So what I like to do is take a look at the strengths and weaknesses of the owner and the strengths and weaknesses of the candidate and um, as well as the resume and any interview questions that are actually um, present so that we can take a look at the whole picture so that I can actually say, all right, your strength in communication is being direct, but the person that you're wanting to hire 
their strength in communication is that they are thoughtful thinkers. So when you are talking to someone and let's say you're working with your CSR and you have a tendency that you wait till the last minute and need to go in at three o'clock and say, Susan, I need this by five o'clock. And you're interrupting that person. That's going to cause Susan some stress. So I suggest that a lot of owners take a look at how are they managing their people? And by the way, managing people is different than leading. Leading is when we have that vision and we get together quarterly and say, this is the direction I want our company to move forward in. Managing are the daily activities that we have with clients and processes and maybe dealing with, you know, our, whether you have Hawksoft or some other software program or Ring Central or, you know, whatever is going on daily. So how do we manage effectively that person that is so different from us and taking a look at some of the pages that are in the report? For example, one of the pages is communication dues and communication don't. And so what I suggest is that we take a look as the owner and go, this person, it's very important, the person that you're considering hiring, these are the communication do's that work for them. Does that work for you? Communication don'ts. They don't like, you know, last minute changes. Does that work for you? Yesterday, I had a client run a report, uh, an executive summary report that includes all three, behavior, core values, and critical thinking. And this particular individual interviewed very well, but on the critical thinking came across we measure this on A, B, C, D, this individual came across as a D. Mm. And in the report, it actually suggests that this person will go passive aggressive. So I asked the owner in our debrief just yesterday, are you okay with managing a person, bringing a person into your team, your existing team of several people, someone that's going to go passive aggressive? And this owner said, no, I am not okay with that. And I said, Okay, good. I'm glad that we ran the assessment so that you can choose wisely as to who you want to bring in on your team. Now, just to give you the opposite view, about two weeks ago, I had another owner that was interviewing a potential candidate, and this person came back that they needed some more help in the world of sales. We were just talking about the sales IQ. So this person wasn't as skilled in the world of sales as they would like. So when I talked to this agency owner, I said, this person's going to need some help with sales training. Are you willing to take that on and train him or train or get training for him through another source? Right. And the owner said to me, absolutely. If this is his weakest area, which it was, then I can take that on and be responsible for helping him. And, and so he did bring that individual on. So That's is that what you're looking for? Absolutely. Here's the 800-pound gorilla in the room that every agent that's listening to this right now is thinking about. And by the way, guys, not getting paid a dime for this. Don't think I'm having her on here because she paid me for this. I'm having her on here because she has literally changed the trajectory of our agency here. Uh, And I want her to help you or find someone like her to help you. Let's talk about the 800-pound gorilla in the room. Cost. What can these agents that are listening to this right now, if they want to work with you or or if they want to find somebody like you to work with, what should they expect to pay in terms of cost per new hire that they're looking at bringing in to, for their assessment and the consultation with you? I charge $250 for the executive summary, Mm -hmm. which is again, all three behavior, core values, and critical thinking. And I charge $250 an hour 
or a debrief. So basically it's $500 per person. What I would like to offer your listeners is for the, if the owners would like to do it for the very first time, I'll offer them 50% off. So for new people that have never worked with me before, I'm happy to offer that to your listeners, Scott. Man, I appreciate you doing that. And by the way, she did not tell me she was going to do that before we got on the podcast, <laughs> but thank you. So here's the deal guys for $500. Okay. 500 bucks. You can put your head on the pillow at night and say, I made a good decision hiring this person, or you can take a flyer, see how it goes. And you know, you're probably, I would guess on average going to spend anywhere from three to 5,000, maybe as much as $10,000 on mm-hmm. somebody or more. or more. And six months to a year from now, it doesn't work out. They leave. And now you spend all this money, time, training, energy, effort, all this stuff. To, to me, it's the best $500 you can spend in your agency. But that's just my opinion. Anything else you want to talk about, Bradley, while she's on here? Anything, any other questions as, a, as an agent who's never done this before that, that you'd like to discuss? I'm just, my mind is blown with all this. I, I love this personality stuff, especially because it's not something I'm very proficient in. And, you know, one of the things that if you had asked me the hardest lesson that I have learned in my first year of agency ownership, it was don't try to hire somebody so that you can make them into something that they're not. Just hire the person you want. Hire somebody for what they are, not for what you want them to be. And that's what Um, she figures out. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I've been saying this for five years. When you hire somebody... It takes about 90 days for them to let their freak flags fly. <laughs> remember, remember, I'm telling you, it's just like dating. You know, Laura, you mentioned dating. It's just like dating. It takes 90 days. Don't even come at me week one or the week before you hire them and tell me what a great hire they are. Don't do it. I have people do it. Bradley's done it to me before. 90 days, you're going to start seeing the cracks in the armor. You're going to start seeing the real person. You know, anybody can keep it together for 90 days and they can certainly keep it together for the three or four weeks or two weeks that you're interviewing them where they look like they are the greatest thing in the world and they're saying all the right things. It's just like dating a girl or a guy. First 90 days, they are the greatest thing that's ever been. And then all of a sudden they're, they start letting their freak flag fly and you're seeing cracks in the armor and you go, well, wait, wait a minute. Laura, how do you feel about my buddy Christian Moore does a um, the spousal interviews where he and his wife go to dinner with the candidate and their spouse? Well, I know people that do that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and how do you feel guy, about that? What, what's the guy's name out of Brentwood, Tennessee, that's the big financial guru? Dave, Dave Ramsey. Ramsey. He talks about that in his book, Entree Leadership. He does that. He does a spousal yeah. interview with every one of their. Uh, I actually have, um, I do have some clients that do like to um, interview the spouse as well and kind of get all four people together. I'm not an attorney, so I can't tell you whether or not that's actually legal or not. I do know it's preferred. I do know because I've heard from some of my other clients that they will not hire without doing that. It's a personal preference. Um, I've also heard that spouses won't, and so they have lost the, the, the other spouse. So if they're looking to hire uh, the man and the spouse is a woman and this woman says she won't, um, they won't hire. 
I have heard of those stories. I don't have a personal preference myself. I would not hire or not hire because I think it's a privacy issue. Um, so as far as enforcing that. And I don't even really mean from an enforcement standpoint, just kind of the idea of also getting to know kind of the, the other half of this person, all I the qualities aside. <laughs> I like it. I do like it. Um, my other half, George, we have um, holiday parties every year and the people that work with him and for him, we invite their spouses so that it creates a deeper relationship. And right. that's part that, that we like. It really does. It's like, oh, wow, this is Debbie's husband, Michael. And, and then we end up, you know, now we're, we, we're having Zoom happy hours, <laughs> you know, with, um, and I think that'll start a new trend as well. Hey, uh, Laura, for the last five minutes of this podcast, because we're about to have to go here in a few minutes, why don't you uh, go through with Bradley my, my profile? I know he wanted to see that. You don't have, I don't, doesn't matter if you show it or not in terms of the screen, but just go through with him for about five minutes, my disc profile, so these agents can hear kind of how I scored and where I scored on this. So this is the one page of a 66-page report. This is the page that I call the graphs that I like to look at to initially take a look and say, okay, this is someone's natural style disc, adapted style disc, and their core values. So what we're looking at here with Scott on his natural style, which I mentioned a few moments ago, is that he has a 98D. And a D is someone that is very results-oriented, bottom line, bullets. They're also communicative. They want things done um, their way and in a very efficient time. It's like, I want it done now. And they're the type of people, Bradley, that can go into someone at three o'clock and say, hey, can you get this done for me by five? Because they're, they're into the bottom line and results of getting things done quickly. But what you'll see on his adjust, adapted style and how he adjusts is he brings that down to a 66. So that's where I was talking earlier about his bringing that down as an owner, which is a really good thing. Um, sometimes I have people in offices that say, when they learn the language, I was mentioning that earlier, it's like, um, hey, Scott, could you bring your D down? Now I have a big D also. So when George and I are interacting here at home, I have a much bigger D than he does. And he will come in at the end of the day and he'll say, sweetheart, will you please you know, D down and S up? It's happy hour. <laughs> so being aware of that and having that language is a very useful tool. His eye, going back to Scott here, as you'll see, is a 41 and he brings that up to a 70. So he does have some natural friendly tendencies and he brings that up in order to get along with people and he pushes it. So sometimes between that big swing of bringing down his D and bringing up his eye, if he has to do that a lot during the day, Scott, you'll go home and you'll be tired. Now, let's see, Scott's S, his natural S is a 40, and he brings that up to a 55, which is a really good thing in the world of insurance, because the S is about the thoughtful, sensitive, supportive side, which, by the way, um, I haven't given you any statistics, but the S is the most common behavioral style that is over 50. So most of the people on the planet are thoughtful, supportive, sensitive. They want everybody to get along. There are, they're the glue that will hold a team together. And so in the world of insurance, it's very important to have that S so that when, you know, you're talking to people about protecting their assets, it's coming across authentically. Right. So one that has a two on an S is not someone you want to hire. 
in the world of insurance because the truth is they really don't care about anybody else. They really only care about themselves. So what Scott doing is he does have a natural tendency to care, but it's not his strong suit. So what he does is he brings that up so that other people can feel that he is being, you know, thoughtful and sensitive. Now, the C on Scott is at a 20, and he brings that up to a 41. So that's the level of detail. So again, he's, he's bringing that up, which is a good thing in the world of insurance, to make sure that he's being accurate and precise. Now, what you're seeing on the right-hand side are his core values. And we measure seven of the core values. Other organizations uh, measure only six. And so what we're measuring here is his aesthetic, which is about balance, form, and harmony. The lower the aesthetic, the more grounded. The higher the aesthetic, the more creative. So Scott doesn't have a super creative side. I've seen people that score 60, 70, 80 on the aesthetic. This score doesn't relate as much to the insurance industry as some of the others. People that have a high aesthetic maybe um, are musicians or they uh, may paint or sew or sculpt or you know any of the arts. People that are very low are more grounded and practical. So, and we blend that with our economic and economic is about a return on investment of time, money and resources. And where that, those shaded areas are, like you'll see, um, with the aesthetic, the light green shaded area, that's 50% of the population. The gray box is 67.5% of the 50. So where we're looking for and the economic, you'll see he's right in smack dab in the middle, which is he's very balanced, which is a very nice place to be. And economic is about return on investment of time, money, and resources. So where Scott is, is he's very balanced. Someone that has a very, very high economic is going to be about making money, saving money. Even some people that have a super high economic um, use coupons. When they run their errands, they are looking to run their errands in the most time-effective way as possible. Someone that's a very low economic is not motivated by money. And this is where one of the big nuances comes in the world of insurance and small teams is that people that are driven by money if they bring in someone that has a low economic it creates a clash and people that if we have teams of people that all have a low economic and you bring someone in that's very high it's also an underlying clash and causes tension in the workplace so having a balanced economic is where we want to be now scott also has a very high individualistic an individual Imagine that yeah yeah has to do with independence as well as a need to stand out and be noticed so for one's uniqueness. So that, that's one of the things that actually does drive him, as well as the power, which is the next one. That's also very, very important to Scott. He wants things done his way. So power is about power, control, and authority. And we blend that with his high D. And it's, you know, Scott can sometimes get in his own way. And what's really great about Scott is that he sees that, he knows it, he can own it now. And when he sees that he's being too much of a controlling in, you know, um, sorry, control freak is the natural word that comes out of the natural phrase. So he can actually see that because he has a lot of emotional intelligence. He can pull back and say, you know what, my high D and my high power are getting in my way. I'm going to relax those standards and I'm going to let my team flow. And that was one of the things that um, in, when Scott and I originally talked about his report about a year and change ago that he went, oh, wow. And he's been able to really work with that and fine tune that to manage his team more effectively. The altruism is a little low, which is about service. 
but he still cares about people. It's just not what drives him. Regulatory is the, he's right there in the lower 50%, which has to do with structure, tradition, process. So he's in that 50%. It's, he's making sure that he's, you know, he's following the rules. And then the last is the theoretical, which has to do with the desire to learn. And what I've discovered about the theoretical is it's not so much of a big indicator as to what's important or not in the world of insurance. It's the altruism and the regulatory that are really important when you're hiring somebody in the world of insurance. If they're very low on either the altruistic or the regulatory, they will never work out because they are not happy. They are, it's trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. But theoretical is not so much. That is not such a driver. It's, it's more like if you have a high theoretical, get that person trained on the software. I know the guy really well. And I think that, I mean, it's, it's definitely accurate. That is a hundred percent sure as a hundred percent sure as you're going through those things and they go, okay, well, yeah, I know of an example of him doing that. I know it as I'm sure he does, does me if we were looking at my, at my test, but Laura, I really appreciate it as does Scott, as you know, Scott does as well. Um, He actually just texted me and said that his internet went down. So um, I'm going to have to close out the Insurance Guys podcast for the first time ever. So, Laura, how can people reach out to you? How can people follow you? Uh, My phone number is area code 310-961-6136. What a better way to talk to somebody than that, guys. (laughs) Um, That's also my cell phone. I text. um, So I like to follow the platinum rule. So people can reach out to me via text, phone call, or email, whatever works best for them. So that's my phone number. My email is Laura, L-A-U-R-A, at, and my website is Laura A. Bruno. It includes my middle initial. So my email is L-A-U-R-A at L-A-U-R-A-A-B-R-U-N-O.com, and that's my website. Awesome. Well, guys, as Scott always says, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get out there. Quit aggressively waiting on the phone to ring. Thank you for listening. Please like and subscribe. Leave us a review. That is the only way we get paid for the Insurance Guys podcast. We'll see you back here real soon. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at iprotectins at gmail.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to bradleyflowersinsurance.com or email him at bradley at sarahlandinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to being with you again real soon on the next episode of the Insurance Guys. Take care.